to the Tech.eu podcast. Uh, my name is Robin Walters. I'm the founding editor of Tech.eu, and you are listening to episode number 80 of this podcast, which is being recorded in Stockholm, Sweden. And in this edition, I'll be talking about a number of interesting movements in the European venture capital industry, uh, a couple of recent startup funding rounds, and some other noteworthy news from the sector, including from some American tech giants making moves in Europe. Uh, we're also featuring a recent interview that I recorded at the recent uh, IT Arena conference in Lviv, Ukraine, as I had a chance to catch up with uh, Jonathan Vella, who is one of the founders of Hotjar. And if you don't know about this company, you are going to want to listen, uh, because it's a startup that's based in Malta, They've completely bootstrapped their business uh, and they're kicking some serious ass. And they also have a very interesting company culture. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, let's talk about money or at least about uh, VC firms that are making moves in Europe left and right. Probably the biggest news on that front in recent weeks is the fact that Draper Esprit has acquired two of Seedcamp's funds for 20 million euros. Uh, more specifically, the publicly listed investment firm has acquired Seedcamp funds one and two, which includes a stake in TransferWise and a number of smaller startups like Codacy and Winnow. Before announcing that acquisition, Draper Esprit actually announced its plans to invest 100 million euros in seed funds across Europe, and that includes also an investment in Seedcamp's latest fund. So very close ties being built between between those two firms. And in other investor news, a Dutch financial services company ING has raised 300 million euros for a fintech-focused fund. So that's a big bet. Benoit Legrand, who is ING's global fintech head, he was named the CEO of ING Ventures, as the fund will be called. So expect some fintech investments from the Netherlands coming soon. And even more up north over in Copenhagen, VC firm Sunstone has raised almost 160 million euros for two new funds. That includes close to 50 million euros for a new vehicle for investing in growth stage companies. And Sunstone also said it is opening an office in Paris, which is obviously booming lately. And then finally, also some news from an investment firm that's backing startups in the education technology space. As Luxembourg-based BrightEye Ventures has closed its first edtech fund at 50 million euros. Not an edtech company, but a very interesting Berlin-based startup is Get Your Guide, which helps travelers book local activities and tickets for attractions. Uh, Get Your Guide has just landed a $75 million Series D round, uh, bringing on board new lead investor Battery Ventures, with all its existing investors also participating in the round, including KKR, Spark Capital, Highland Europe, Nokia Growth Partners, and the aforementioned Sunstone Capital. Meanwhile, over in Scotland, tech unicorn Skyscanner has made a small but interesting acquisition. The company has acquired Twizu, which is a London-based user-generated content business. And Skyscanner said it will be using its social content integrations to bolster hotel reviews and recommendations. And as a result of that deal, uh, Twizu's team of six are now based at Skyscanner's office in London rather than its HQ in Edinburgh. And now let's uh, have a listen to my recent interview with Jonathan Vella, who's a co-founder of hot startup Hotjar. Hey, this is uh, Robin Walters, and I'm here in Lviv, Ukraine, sitting in a football stadium uh, where this conference called IT Arena is being held. Uh, and I'm here with Jonathan Vella, who is one of the co-founders of uh, Hotjar, uh, which if you haven't heard of them, you'll probably hear about them very soon. Uh, one of the most interesting SaaS companies here in Europe, very fast growing, uh, also bootstrap. But I'm not going to steal your thunder. Uh, first of all, what does Hotjar do? 
So, um, thanks, Robin. So, um, Hodger is a feedback and analytics platform, which essentially helps connect the how and the why um, users behave on a website. And our aim is to help people build better experiences on their sites and products, essentially. That's, that's our main focus. And who would be your typical customer? Like what size of company, what vertical, uh, or do you, you know, work for, for anyone? So we primarily target SMBs and our like persona user like that we like to think about is like the digital marketer, meaning that he's like a technical person, but more focused on the marketing side on like helping either clients or his own business to grow. But we also have um, UX professionals that use our tool a lot, as well as people within a marketing team in general, right, using the tool a lot. Those are definitely the people that use the tool the most. In terms of verticals, we're very big in e-commerce, we're very big on, um, on products. There's quite a lot of different verticals, actually, but I'd say that those two are the biggest ones for us. There's a couple of unusual things about Hotjar. Um, we'll go one by one. Uh, one, you're not based in one of the big uh, hubs here in Europe. You're based out of Malta, of all places. Uh, so um, why is that? And do you think that will stay that way? Cool. So, so yeah, very good question. So, um, so a lot of people when I tell them we're based out of Malta, the first thing that they think, ah, ah you're there for tax purposes, and <laughs> it's really not the case. So, we're five co-founders, and three of us are Maltese, and two are Swedish, and one of those Swedish co-founders is actually based in Malta as well. And for us, the obvious thing when we started Hodger was to incorporate in Malta, right? So, so incorporate the, the, the company there. Like we're on the normal tax bracket because we're, <laughs> we're a Maltese company. So we have no tax benefits in any sort of, in any, in any way. Currently, we're still looking at still being based in Malta. We're not excluding the option actually to move to bigger hubs like Dublin, um, or any other hubs for that matter. Um, we're still unsure whether it would be like a sub. Um, of Hodger or whether it would be the main actual company which would be incorporated there. But um, those are still things that we're um, discussing at the moment to see like what are the next steps in that case. But I'm guessing if you would make that move, uh, the, the primary primary driver would be talent, you know, recruiting and, and retaining talent to scale. Um, what are some of the profiles you're looking to fill in the, in the near future? And um, how many people are you for starters? So currently we're... 45 or 46 people we're all based remotely so what we the the leadership roles that we're looking to fill in now are more roles which help on the customer experience side marketing and potentially in the near future as well some someone on either operations or or finance or a cfo or a coo um, those are definitely the top roles that we want to fill in as well as a vp of engineering which we're already advertising for um it's a role that we'd like to fill in as hopefully we'll find the right candidate in some time from now because it's a role that we'd love to fill in at the moment essentially so one of the other uh, unusual things about Hotjar is that, um, which you already touched on, like most people are re working remotely, but you also have a well, no, a very attractive way of, uh, of uh, getting people on board. Uh, can you briefly explain what you offered people when they join? So when we when we onboard these people, when they start working with Hodger. So yeah, so um, one thing that we wanted to do when we started Hodger was we wanted, so we started Hodger with the premise that we want to um, be remote. And uh, the reason why I wanted it to be remote was for primarily two reasons. 
First of all, we felt that there's no reason for people to work in an office any longer, mainly because all of us co-founders actually found offices quite distracting because a lot of people chatting. So we found that environment to some degree, it was actually harming productivity. And the second reason, which is actually the main reason was because we said, if we need to build a product, which is international, which is global, like we won't be able to find the talent that we need in Malta. We need to be able to find those people wherever they are, wherever they're based and have them work for Hodger to build this amazing tool. That's essentially why we wanted to set up things remotely. And even Malta is extremely tiny as an island and we could have worked from the same office because we literally live like 10, 15 minutes away from each other. We said we need to do it right and we need to start working remotely and even when we are five co-founders because that will set the foundation of the tools that we use, the processes that we set up. So we make sure that we can keep on improving that and scaling that up. So we wanted to focus a lot on that. That's really cool. Having started the company just three and a half years ago with zero funding, you also haven't raised funding since, which is quite amazing because you recently hit 10 million in uh, ARR. So that's really impressive uh, considering that you haven't raised any institutional funding yet. Um, was that a conscious decision or was it just a result of being based in Malta where not a lot of um, you know, VC capital is available? So no, so when we started, actually the founders put in um, a certain amount of money between us um, but no, it was really us uh, saying, okay, um, let's, we started very actually, we, we had four other products before, right? We had all each built our own product and we had learned a lot of mistakes along the way. So one thing that we did is we put this money in a company and we started validating the tool before we started building something, which was um, something that we learned. So when we started validating this idea and we noticed that people actually had the pain point that we had as well, uh, which was during the beta, we realized that this was, you know, it could get us somewhere. So um, then again, like um, thanks to the success of the beta, actually, we gained a lot of traction with people sharing and, and discussing Hodja. And we were also lucky enough that um, we kept growing at a rate that, that allowed us to remain self-funded. Um, one thing that we were doing while we were during beta, so essentially no one was yet paying us, is that David, the CEO, still had some... Um, was still doing some contractual work and all the money that he gained from that contractual work was um, pumping it back in into the company as well. So that's what basically kept us going during that time. And uh, yeah, then as soon as we exited beta, like I believe after the second or the third month, the tool was actually um, self-sustainable already. So it was it was sustaining our salaries. It was sustaining um, uh, like the tools that we needed. So and eventually kept on just, you know, keep doing what you know do, how to do and just do it better, essentially iterate on that. That's really amazing, I have to say. But do you foresee yourself raising funding at some point? Um, if you really want to scale, obviously you have the product market fit now, but um, do you feel like you will attract outside uh, financing at some point? So in the past, we had actually spoken with investors as well because we wanted, to, I believe, like one and a half years after we, we incorporated, like we had already started speaking to people. We're more like interested in understanding like how do VCs think as well, like what are the things we need to look for? What are the things we need to improve? What are, 
the things that investors look in when they want to invest in a company, right? Because they're the people at the end of the day which understand the growth and they can teach you a lot about growth in a company. We weren't necessarily looking for people to invest at that point, but we weren't um, that familiar with the process as well. So we wanted to familiarize ourselves. If But at that point, we realized that we knew what the vision was. We knew how we could improve the product. We knew what we needed to do. And we didn't feel like we needed investment money at that time. Um, we're now at a stage where we're speaking again to um, to investors. Um, it's more just us testing the waters again. Um, we're at a stage where we feel we're at a stage that we need to get investment to take things to the next level. Um, so as, as you properly mentioned, we're currently at um, 10 million euros in ARR. So we feel for us to go to the next stage, so 50 million, it's, um, it's probably a step which will require us to work with VCs. Both for you know um, taking bigger risks, um, uh, pumping more money into our marketing efforts, uh, hiring bigger talent, hiring b- the talent that we need to take us to that level, um, and yeah. Great. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck getting to the next level with the company, and again, uh, enjoy Lviv. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Robin. Right. I hope you'll agree. Definitely an interesting company to keep tabs on. Uh, now, before we leave you, it would be a shame not to mention a number of funding rounds that were recently announced uh, by some of Europe's leading fintech companies. In the UK, TransferWise has raised $280 million in a Series E round that was led by Old Mutual Global Investors and venture capital firm IVP. The company is now reportedly valued at $1.6 billion, so well beyond unicorns that is there. And we'll use the fresh cash to expand in Asia and beyond after recently opening up an office in Singapore. And meanwhile, Monzo, which is one of the challenger or so-called neobanks in the UK that aims to reinvent the current account, has raised a further £71 million in a round led by Goodwater Capital, which values the London-based company at £288 million post-money. And we're staying in the UK where GIC, which is Singapore's sovereign wealth fund, has invested £90 million in Oak North for a stake of just under 10%. Uh, Oak North is the company behind fintech platform Acorn Machine, which is a platform for financial institutions to collect and manage data to make better credit decisions. So that's some serious capital flowing to some of Europe's leading fintech companies. And it's not just happening in the UK. Israeli fintech startup Peiki, for example, recently raised $10 million in a Series B round. And Treasury Intelligence Solutions, or TIS, a German fintech company, has raised $12 million in funding from 83 North and other investors. Now, we've covered VCs, we've covered some startups. Now let's talk about some of the American corporate tech giants and what they're doing in Europe. Bad news for Uber. Uh, which has failed to overturn an employment court ruling that said it must treat its drivers as workers as opposed to self-employed contractors. Uh, The legal case against Uber was brought last October by two ex-Uber drivers who claimed that the company was acting illegally by not giving drivers basic worker rights, such as holiday pay and the minimum wage, and won. So Uber appealed that decision at a two-day employment tribunal last September, saying that they only acted like other traditional minicab firms, and the company has always maintained that drivers who use its platform are independent contractors. Uh, It thereby frames itself as a technology platform that merely connects riders and drivers and takes a fee in the process. But the tribunal's decision to dismiss Uber's appeal uh, is not only a challenge for its business in Britain, but also for the so-called gig economy as a whole. 
Um, so we're definitely keeping an eye on what happens next for uh, any other UK businesses operating in this space, including, for example, Deliveroo. Uh, Uber, meanwhile, has said it plans to appeal the ruling, of course, uh, either through Britain's Court of Appeal or through the Supreme Court, which is the nation's highest court for civil matters. And last but not least, some interesting news regarding Amazon, which has announced that it will open a research center in Germany that's focused on developing artificial intelligence to improve the customer experience. Amazon wants to create over 100 so-called high-skilled jobs in machine learning at this new uh, Amazon Research Center, which is what it's officially called. Uh, and the goal of this new uh, research hub is to use artificial intelligence so that the e-commerce company can better understand visual data and, as a result, uh, improve the customer experience across the different products and services that it offers, uh, including Amazon Web Services and its AI assistant Alexa. For this new research center, uh, which is the fourth that they have in Germany, uh, Amazon is collaborating with the Max Planck uh, Society. And in Cambridge, UK, Amazon has also opened up a new so-called development center, three stories of premium office space where it houses 400 employees uh, who are dedicated to research for products from Alexa to Amazon's Prime Air drone deliveries. So a couple of interesting moves there. And it's getting harder and harder to do a podcast about European tech without talking about anything related to uh, cryptocurrencies or blockchain or ICOs. On Monday, which is actually when I'm recording this edition of the podcast, uh, the European Securities and Markets Watchdog uh, which is Europe's top markets regulator, uh, said initial coin offerings or ICOs are unregulated, volatile, not transparent, and technologically untested. More specifically, the agency warned investors by saying ICOs are extremely risky and highly speculative investments, adding that there was a risk of the total loss of your investment. So that's a pretty steep warning. Um, and so the ESMA has become the latest agency on this planet to demand tighter scrutiny of cryptocurrencies, which in my humble opinion is probably not a bad thing. All right. Well, dear listener, that's it for this episode. Genuinely hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're always happy to receive feedback or suggestions for topics or people we should interview for the podcast. So please do not hesitate to get in touch. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on iTunes or SoundCloud. And you can also follow tech.eu on Twitter. We're at tech underscore you. And we also hang out on Facebook and LinkedIn. Keep listening. Tell your friends. Till next time. This is Odin Lux. Checking out. Thank you.